0: you so much for listening to this episode of that gabby roslin podcast before we start this episode i'd like to share the love and i'd like to recommend another podcast for your ears after you've listened to this one of course if like me you love your food then heston blumenthal's journey to the center of food podcast is amazing you'll know heston he's the world's most inventive chef and he delves deep inside foods to reveal the wonderful universe inside them. From tea and coffee to Britain's greatest chocolate bar, the perfect way to use eggs and the future of robots making food. This week, he's diving inside the American sweet shop. My daughter loved this. Perfect for anyone with a sweet tooth who fancies a Tootsie Roll or a Hershey bar. If you'd like some food escapism, I recommend Heston Blumenthal's Journey to the Centre of Food, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to our podcast. I can't believe that this episode is finally here because I've been looking forward to this for so long. It's our Line of Duty AC12 special. Yes, we have Hastings, Kate Fleming and Steve Arnott, the incredible Adrian Dunbar, Vicky McClure and Martin Compton together. We, of course, talk about Line of Duty, Series 6, which begins on the 21st of March on BBC One. There are so many laughs in this episode, the three of them are like a comedy sketch show. We chat about singing, how they handle fame, their shared love of eating curry, trust me, there's a lot about curry, and their hilarious pranks on set. One of them even sings to me. I'm so thankful that this episode is sponsored by one of my favourite companies, Simprove. It's a food supplement combining live and active bacteria, which has done absolute wonders for both mine and my family's health. I'll tell you more about them very soon. But if you'd like more information, go to simperive.com with discount code GABY15 for 15% off the 12-week program. Now, we recorded this episode on Zoom, so it does sound a little bit different than usual. Enjoy! Enjoy!
3: You lovely people. Oh, lovely to see you, Gabby. Lovely to see you, Gabby. The
0: last time I saw you, Adrian, was with Terry Wogan. And you came on the Terry and Gabby show, and it must be about 17 or 18 years ago.
2: Bloody hell.
0: You don't look any different.
2: Neither do you, babe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can we leave Can't see me. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see me, thank goodness. So you guys, um, nine years later... It is still going strong, and I cannot wait. Any minute now, um, we're all going to be celebrating AC12 again. I I don't want any of you to tell me anything about the next series, but can you tell me something about it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Martin. Um, well, just without giving it away, but one of the things I find really exciting about it, uh, I think I've said this before, and I think I speak for, for most of us, is that all of our sort of personal... Favorite series to do was series three because it was a, a culmination of one, two, three, and we were building to this big climax. And it feels we're back at that point. It feels like uh, series four and five have all been building to this, and in some ways, the whole series has been been, been building to this. Um, without giving much weight, I think there's a lot of big answers uh, coming this series. There's a lot of big answers. There's um, there's a few things that are going to Yeah, be happy that people have been looking for for a few years.
0: Do you know the shame about podcasts is that people can't see that cheeky Martin? You're doing it now. You're doing it now. (laughs)
1: It's my default setting.
0: Do you know that you've now become that you're in the top 20 of all time best uh, police shows ever?
3: Wow. that's No, I didn't know that.
0: Who, who,
1: did you compile that list? Who, who, no, no, no. <laughs> you did that. want to be a bit higher. No,
3: no, no. I, I'm i your number one.
1: Uh, You're in the top
0: 20 of all time ever in the history of cop shows. This oh, is Around wow.
2: the World. Around right the World. Wow. Oh, that's an honour.
0: So I decided to look up other things. This is what I found out about the three of you. Oh, God. Yeah, take a deep breath, Vicky. <laughs> For forty-four ninety-four. You can buy a full-size cardboard cutout of Vicky McClure, Adrian Dunbar, and Martin Compton.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, I've seen a few of them.
0: Yep, there's you, Martin, with you're in a black tie, and then there's casual dress. Vicky, there's you in a mini skirt with white boots and just regular cl- outfit. And Adrian, there's you with your hand in a pocket, looking very chic. Oh. I have to say. But I wondered how you felt about this because Ryan Gosling is only thirty-one pounds and a penny, and the Queen is twenty-eight pounds and forty pence.
1: I, how I feel about it is, um, I think my wife's friends—I um, didn't make her last birthday party, so they bought her one of them as me as a standby because I was away. And she keeps it behind her bar, our bar, and when I come down for a glass of water in the middle of the night, it scares the shit out of me every time. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the thing.
0: You just mentioned your bar. You built a bar in your place in Vegas, didn't you, in your in your house?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, when we got the place and I saw it, it was like a formal welcoming area or something like that. And we got it, it was my late 20s, early 30s, and I'm, I'm too young for a formal welcoming area and dining in the house. So, I have a very understanding wife, and um, I got tenants to make me a tap. <laughs> yeah, um, just with everything that's going on, of course. But I was hoping the guys we'd have a sort of week. We'd start doing the rehearsals at my place around the bar and stuff uh, for the next series. Unfortunately, they've not got out yet. They've not. I mean, even I was really looking forward to um, Neil Morrissey was supposed to be out this year filming a show, and I was. I was so excited about that, but they had to move location with everything that's going on. But hopefully, at one point, I can get you all out and, and can have a pint at the bar. Yeah,
3: I don't think we'll be like doing any rehearsals. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, Adrian, for, I, I have to say, I, I not just obviously Line of Duty, but oh, thank you for taking me around Ireland recently.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I had a great time doing that. It was just a fabulous trip, and I think everybody was sort of waiting on somebody to do. Some kind of a trip, so that we could all get our heads around it again—the idea of traveling. You know what I mean?
0: It's so beautiful. I'm ashamed to say it. I've never been, but I feel like I, I went there with you.
2: Yeah, you should. You should get there. It's only an hour away. You know, you just hop on a plane, you're there. It's like going to Edinburgh or Glasgow, or you know, nipping down to Cardiff. It really is simple. And the west coast in particular is really beautiful. It's about a two thousand mile, two thousand kilometer. Uh, road called the, the Wild Atlantic Way that a lot of people are starting to travel. Uh, it's one of the longest coastlines in Europe. So it's, uh, it's a great buzz. Yeah, it's a lo- it's a great buzz. And great people, of course. And then if it does start to rain, which sometimes it does, apparently, you can always head for the high stool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the high stool? Has that gone straight over
3: my head? Like the ball.
0: Oh, I see. Yes, thank you very much. Straight over my head. You're used to him. I, you know, I haven't seen him for eighteen years. Yeah, I haven't. Used him. Um, Adrian, the one thing that that obviously you all have in common is singing. Um, Vicky knows what I'm, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Dementia Choir, I'm a massive fan, and that show is just one of the most remarkable things. But now you, Adrian, I have spent all morning listening to you singing.
2: Oh, Gabby, that's very sweet.
0: Well, it's very lovely. Your Irish, <laughs> yeah, there's, I found online an Irish folk song of you singing an Irish folk song that I've listened to about five times this morning and I even called my husband and said, come and listen to this, this is amazing. It's beautiful. Oh,
2: thanks, Gabby. Yeah, thanks, darling. I mean, you know, I love singing. I've always loved singing. My mum my was a really, really brilliant singer. Even the sewing machine we had was a singer. but um but no we we you know it's it's in the family and singing is great it's you know it's one of the greatest things you can do and uh you know I've always been lucky to kind of be in bands and you know it's something I thought I was going to do actually before I became an actor I thought I I was definitely going to be in bands I was definitely somehow I was going to be a singer in a band or something even if I was doing it kind of part-time and uh So I've just kept it going and, uh, you know, I really love it. And I hope that at some point I might actually do an album of some sort.
3: That's what the people want, Ad Yes, do it.
2: Yeah, I think I I might do an album this year at some point, Gabby, and, uh, you know, do some standards, maybe write some songs myself. I have written a few songs in the past. So, you know, but it's hard to know which way to go, whether to do, you know, an album of standards, whether, you know, like from the Great American Songbook, whether to do some kind of, you know, folk type stuff, whether to do, you know.
0: Will you sing a weeny weenie weeny weenie little bit of it for me? It was a beautiful Irish folk song.
2: And was it in Irish or was it in English? It was in Irish. Oh yeah. Well that would be Tame Mouchi, which is like it means kind of I'm a i am I am alone. That's the first line that says. <laughs> And so forth.
0: Oh, that is beautiful! Go on, Eddie. And album of that. And Martin, is this true as well, that you sing Irish folk songs, because that's how you wooed your wife?
1: I do, but I'm usually drowned out by thousands of people at a Celtic <laughs> game or at a gig, so that's the only time you catch me singing. Um but yeah, it was just with my wife. Um, my wife's mixed race with this mass, big mass of hair. And when we first met, I saw she had on an Irish claddagh ring, and I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around this, this American girl with that big hair. What well, about Irish but turns out Our dad is uh Flynn from County Meath and ah, yeah. yeah, so sang us some songs and yeah, this is history. Oh,
0: go on a little bit. Go <laughs> on, Martin. No, I
1: genuinely cannot say I I <laughs> need at least six <laughs> pints is when I start singing. They're not getting the a song out of me, not not a chance. Vicky,
0: have you heard him sing?
1: Yeah,
3: I've heard him sing like, you know, football anthems. I can see why he's not wanting to do it. <laughs> 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 oh no, I'm not a singer, so I'm not gonna sing either, Gabby, because no, that's the reason I've got to. the choir. They sing so beautifully
1: and leave it to them. It's such a gift being able to sing. I've yeah, had to sing and in films and it is so when you're not good at it and you naturally have no rhythm or time in our keys, whatever, it's terrifying, man. It's I all I'd want to do if I could hold one song on karaoke, I'd be happy. That's all I'd want. What did we sing?
3: We did karaoke one night in Belfast. And ba Miss American.
1: (laughs) No, was it not Brown Eyed Girl, with it?
3: No, I think it was that because I've got it on video and we were just awful. Well,
1: we are. Uh, It
3: was awful. uh, Vicky, of
0: course, let's talk about Dementia Choir because, uh, as you know, what a a massive fan I am. I think it's the most extraordinary thing. And obviously, uh, Adrian, you took part as well in the special over Christmas. Um, Is that still going on, Vicky? Are you going to do more of those?
3: Yes, we are. It's still going very strong. Um... We never stopped from when we did the series. We carried on going with the sessions and then COVID came and we've carried on doing it over Zoom. I mean, they've been amazing. They've, everybody, you know, from people that are living on their own, living with dementia, Of everybody's been able to set it up with all ages, all abilities, and everybody's been great. Um, and we've got some things going on now. So we're doing some virtual sort of singing concerts. So there's a bit more rehearsal time to do. So we're being a bit stricter with them because at the minute we get on the Zoom and we just chat. You know, have a little sing song, but it's not as, um, you know. We just need to make sure they're still having to sort of challenge themselves. It's been a really rough year because we've lost, um, we've lost five people now in the choir, so that's that's really tough because it's, you know, it's like a little family, and we just keep losing people, and it's it, we know it's coming, but never makes it any easier. So it's been a bit of a rough ride recently. So the minute we're all, you know, there, there's a lot of them that have been vaccinated now. And once they're all vaccinated and the world starts to reopen, we'll be in a room together as, as soon as we can.
0: The tough thing, though, for people with dementia is actually trying to explain that they've had to be separated from other people. And that, you know, for everybody, the past year has been an extraordinary year. There's no denying it. And, and heartbreaking as well, as you just say, losing so many people. But the idea to explain to somebody with dementia that everything that they knew has now changed.
3: Yeah. It's been it's been complex. I mean, you know, some of the choir members really get it and then some of them less so because their dementia has progressed and it's been really challenging, especially those that are in care homes because they've completely been stripped of any contact with their family. So I do believe that lockdown has meant that people's dementia has progressed, you know, much more rapidly than it would have done had they not have had to go through this and could continue with the exercise and the, you know, routine and just the contact with people in the choir and things like that. And, you know, everyone in the choir said said the same. So that's really heartbreaking because time is so precious when you're given that diagnosis and we know there's no cure for it. There is, you know, a certain sort of life expectancy. So to know that that time's been robbed is is really, really hard for, for the families to take.
0: Well, I can't wait to see some more of it on screen. As I said, I think it was the most life affirming show. It's just extraordinary. Music to all of us has been... I mean, I, Vicky, am I right that your very first album was Gold by The Carpenters? Yes,
3: I love The Carpenters. These two know how much I love The Carpenters. It was because I'd watched the documentary and I was really, like, affected by Karen's story. Um not that I'd had an experience of eating disorders, but just, you know, the fact that she seemed so sorted and she, her voice, like if I could have any voice in the world, it'd be hers. Um, and I just loved the song. So yeah, it really took me. And then I just, I, I still find it really affecting music now. But you know, music is, you go to funerals, you go to weddings, you hear the beginning of Line of Duty. You're having a bad day, a good day. You want to go out and party. Like there's just no end to the joy that it brings and to the meaning of what it brings and how much we need it. You know, I could could sit and listen to music all day and not feel like I've not achieved anything. I'd I'd have said that was a bloody great day. That's so lovely. I love that.
0: Okay, so favourite go-to song of joy then. Adrian, what's your favourite go-to song of joy?
2: Um, I've got a few. I'd probably say Jose Feliciano singing California Dreaming.
1: Oh, good choice. You get that one. All right, that's Adrian's. Martin. I mean, I get, a lot of it depends what kind kind of mood you're in. Um, no, but joy, just a joyous joy. One. Um, the Beatles. I've just seen a face.
0: Okay, you get
3: that one as well.
0: And we know <laughs> what Vicky's
3: is. Anything by the Carpenters. Anything by the Carpenters, or I'd throw in "Proud Mary" by Tina uh, Tina Turner and Ike. That just, you know, joy.
0: Now, as promised, I'd like to tell you more about our fantastic sponsors of this episode – they're Simproof. Now, I've been telling everyone about this company for years before we started working together, I promise. Now, it's a food supplement containing live and active bacteria to support your gut health and a balanced microbiome. The reason it's different to others that you might have tried, it's unique. It's water-based. That means it travels straight to your gut to thrive and multiply. Now, you need these in your gut. Trust me, these are good bacteria. They're a family-run brand produced on a farm in the Surrey Hills. They are so proud of their heritage and their evidence-based product. I've been to the farm, it's a wonderful place and they're great people. Now, it's gluten-free, dairy-free, suitable for vegans and vegetarians. It's available as a subscription or start with their introductory 12-week program. The gut has an incredibly strong connection to the brain. When you sort out your gut, your general health just feels so much better so for more information visit the simprove website and it's simprove.com s-y-m-p-r-o-v-e.com we have an exclusive discount just for listeners of this podcast get 15 percent off the 12-week program by entering the promo code when you're at the checkout it's g-a-b-y 15. That's Gabby 15 for new customers in the UK. They have a helpful customer care team. Truly, they really are helpful. I call them and ask them things all the time. And we'll put the phone number in the episode description. Martin and Vicky, you started so young in the industry. I mean, Martin, you you were both teenagers when you started out. Does it, does it, looking back on it now, I was just, it was really weird because I was reading all the stuff that I was reading about you guys and... And somebody said uh, they called you old hands at it. (laughs) Said three old hands in the industry: uh, Adrian, Martin, and Vicky. And you really have—I mean, you know—you know the industry so well, the three of you, because you've done it. You've—you started young. You've been doing it a while. You've—you know, Adrian, you've directed, you've written. You—I mean, it's you—you know the industry inside and out.
2: And we, you know, we haven't stopped. Yeah, I mean, and I just any time that that there wasn't a job to do as such, I find something else to do. I'm that sort of person, but because I do think it's important, and even at lockdown, I think it's been very important for us all to stay somehow in our creative heads. You know, whatever you're doing, be creative about it, whether it's, you know, you're getting into the gardening or whether you're kind of doing things in your flat or whether you're redecorating or uh, just keep creative. Keep creative all the time. I think that's what's important when you're an actor, to, uh, to keep creative. But, yeah, we've, we've all been doing stuff for so long. I mean, you know, one of Vicky's first jobs, was I was her dad. You know, I mean, all this kind of crap. What age were you then, Vicky?
3: I was 17. Dad. do you know what you said like i feel like very lucky to have a lot of experience behind me but then every time there's a new job not like line of duty because that's you know when you go to a returning series or a returning character you kind of got a good idea as to what's coming up but say mother's day for instance which was based on a true story a harrowing story that you know you really wanted to get right the heavy Irish accent, which I'd not done before, I felt like I was beginning all over again. you know I instantly felt like completely out of my depth and it's the challenges that we always face, I guess, whereas you know line of duty we, we do have that you know we've just got experience now where we can go in and the lines don't feel quite so daunting as they once did because you know've we've, we've learned a lot about it so. I'm still, you know, I wouldn't sit there and feel too comfortable that I know everything. I, I was playing this game with Martin when we was doing Series 6 and it's just on Instagram where it puts something on your head and something came up on mine that said I was a Foley artist and I was like, Martin looked at me and went, you don't know what that is do you? And I was like, no, I haven't got a clue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we, I think with it, a lot of it comes, if you've got a natural enthusiasm and love for what you do, you can get, a, you can get very far on that. Like, I'm, I say, as Vicky says there's a lot of stuff we're still doing you never stop learning with this job and there's no stuff we're trying I mean Adrian's been a prolific writer successful writer Vicky's been having a production company for a long time and I've just started dipping my toe into that and it was terrifying to start with but when you just think you kind of need the key elements you kind of go well because you're going I don't know how to do this and you go well you need a good script so you need a writer you need a producer and you need a director and you need a cast and I know all them you know so I think with a a lot of passion about something you can go very far and I think more than anything there's a job I've been trying to get done for a while just the drive to get it done just sort of kind of rubs off on people Um, so I think as long as you love what you do I think that's carried us for a long time I think we've got cynical in in some ways that there's you kind of want a certain size of trailer or something when you turn up, you expect, well, thicky anyway. <laughs> there's different things, whereas you used to just rock up and you'd be in anything, you wouldn't care. There's, there's definitely things where you get to where you expect, but the core of it, just the love of a job and the love of sort of breaking down a script and bringing it back together with people, that's never changed. Um, and as, a, as long as you hold on to that, I think you're in a good place. Okay, who's the most
0: show busy then? Come on, Adrian, you tell me. Who's the most show busy?
2: I'd say I am, probably. I'm, I'm extremely showbiz, very glad. <laughs> I'd agree. Uh, you know. <laughs> we're not very showbiz any of us, it has to be said. And uh, you soon get the show knocked off you if you bring any of it on to line of duty, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. The only time you ever see is kind of like getting show is when we're all invited together. Then we all get a bit giddy. If we know we can go to an event together. Yeah. And- and have a piss-up, really. That's where you're kind of, where you excited to get the glad rags on. But, um, yeah, just, again, I think maybe that's getting older and more cynical, where all these things used to be exciting. They're just, you got all dressed up, you're hanging about for hours, standing about, lights for hours, watching these things drone on for hours, and then you kind of get kicked out and go home. They're sort of, <laughs> they always look great on the telly because they're cut together when you're there. You're just dying to get to the bar with your mates, the boy, you silly.
0: Comes back with Martin to going to the bar.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I've not, I've not been to a bar in about seven, eight months, so you know, I think it's at the forefront of my mind.
0: So now, is this also true that when you get the scripts for Line of Duty, that Vicky's the first one you read them, and then you tell the guys, is this, is it,
3: or is this an urban myth? It's not always the case. Like I'm sure I've not been the first every time, but it just became a bit of a running joke that I'd. So we'd get the scripts at the same time and then I'd tell them that I'd read them all and then start telling them like oh I'm really sorry that you die and,
1: or you know it's <laughs> awful
3: that you know <laughs> just stop making
1: things up but there was that one time that actually you, you did it, where, remember because we were
3: yeah there was a one we were
1: filming, me and Vicky were both filming in Glasgow at the same time and then we were going straight on to line of duty after it and I don't like reading other scripts when I'm filming something because you can get obsessed with it and you can start thinking oh and you, the other character comes into your mind Vicky, of course, had already read them. But it was the year I get thrown over the stairs. And she went, have you really not read what happens? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she was terrifying me, going, you need to read it. Like, I'm not saying anymore. Just read it. Just read it. Just read it. And it texted me, have you read it?
3: I think as well. was that episode, it's like It was like episode two or three, wasn't it? So
1: Three. We, then, so we didn't have four. We didn't
3: have four. So I couldn't <laughs> say if that meant it was a good outcome or not I was just like it doesn't look good (laughs) and that and that's exactly the way she said it
0: who's the biggest joker because like you you're all you're naughty I like naughty I like cheeky Uh, (laughs) on set though who makes who's the one that makes everybody else start laughing
1: depends on the mood (laughs) 80s has got the songs keeps everybody going he's a one-man band of noises (laughs) Ricky just kind of keep a straight face and that gets infectious and everybody laughs and I like winding them up, but it kind of depends on who's got the most work that day. Because we're good at t- we're good at pissing each other off, but we're good at letting when somebody has to go into a zone, kind of let them go. But then the other two kind of goes who was a team and then the other two kind of take great delight annoying the one who's trying to be serious. <laughs>
0: I can imagine it being the best. Fun. I mean, actually working with people that you... See, I mean, you might all hate each other and this is all a con, but I don't think so. But working with people that you really get on with, there is nothing better.
3: I think the fact that we are openly, you know, like Martin just said, if we piss each other off, like we don't mind admitting that because that's what families are like. You know, we have been going for 10 years now. And when we get back together, so when we came back to Series 6, it was like we're still as excited and buzzed to do the job and see each other as we were way back then you know, it hasn't, it's not got lost on us. We're not sort of feeling jaded by it or by each other. We spend, you know, as much time as we can together. If we're, you know, if we was out of lockdown, um, it'd be a different story. We'd be able to see each other a lot more. And if we're not, like tonight, we're having a, you know, a Zoom curry and a beer. Um, And we just, you know, we we genuinely enjoy working together. And it is, because it's heavy drama and the dialogue's heavy and, whatever else, you've got to be able to have a laugh. Yeah, I mean, I do really enjoy winding Aidy up, I've got to say.
2: Yeah, because you do get away with it every time. <laughs> it, it just is a worry to me every time you come to me and I haven't read the scripts.
3: Oh, yeah. This is the other thing. So I, I love the schedules. I love working everything out, highlighters. I get all the stationery. But then I'll do it for Aidy as well. So I'll like make him a little chart as to what scenes he's got coming up and if they're like long dialogue scenes. But then every now and then I'll just go into his flat and be like, "Oh, they've changed the schedule." Because he doesn't think he needs to check it now, because I'm checking it for it. I'm, I'm updating all his stuff, and then I'll go, "Yeah, that scene that's like 13 pages, it's tomorrow,"
2: and he'll <laughs> just
3: you <he'll> can just
2: <laughs> see his face completely dry. Yeah, no, but you'll be even you'll be even more evil than that because what you'll say to me is something like, "Right, well, okay, that's that. I suppose you'll want to be getting home now," and I'll go. Why? Why would I want to be going home <laughs> Because you've got that scene, some scene 43A. What's that? Is it the one with you and Martin? It's the eight pager with you. I said, but that's not till Thursday. No, it's tomorrow you've got... Oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> drive me absolutely mad. What's
0: your curry tonight then? Who's having what? Who has what curry?
2: I'm a lamb korma.
0: I'm a garlic,
3: garlic chilli chicken.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be the same as Vic. Um, although... It depends. If I'm ordering in, it'd be a curry. Uh, but I, I do love a, a chicken chaslake. Is that what it's called? Mm, chicken chaslake, yeah. Yeah, especially the tandoori chicken. When I'm out, I do love that. Because um, there's a one particular place in Belfast we always go, um, and that does a beautiful chicken chaslake. I think I get the lamb chops and chicken chaslake, I've been having the same meal in there 15 times a year for the last eight years. And I think I deviated from a starter once, and I've never done it again.
0: I'm so pleased I asked you a quick question. That was the best answer to any curry answer
1: ever. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, you've got to take your curry serious and nobody takes, because as well, Jed is the curry master. Jed yeah. is obsessed. I think that's why we got so obsessed because anytime we go out for a meal and a drink to talk things over, when things are going good, things are going bad, to celebrate, whatever, we go for a meal. And obviously this year we couldn't go out. Um but Jed's so into his curry, he's an expert. I didn't even know he'd warm the plates. And I nearly bumped my bloody hands off picking up the plates out the oven. I didn't even know you were supposed to do that. <laughs> but he takes them really serious.
3: I wonder what he'll be ordering tonight.
1: You know there'll be a sagaloo in there.
3: Yeah, we all, we'll all all be ordering from different places. Mine's the Sharma in
1: Beeston, it's lovely. I
0: love this. Do they, do, do they sell curry in Las Vegas?
1: You know what? I'm sure there will be, there's everything in Vegas. There's everything. it um, there was a nice one in LA. Um, I mean, there's some great ones in Greenock and Guoruk back home. There's a lo- There's lovely Thai food in in Vegas. And I'm not really, I don't really eat Thai anywhere else, but there's really good Thai in Vegas.
3: What's the In-Out Burger like?
1: Mate, why did you have to mention it? I don't
3: know. It's I've the never best of been.
1: the best. I've never been. Uh, I mean, that's, I can understand why Americans are that obese when the fast food is that good. But it's like fresh fries cooked in front of you. See them oh. chop the potato, the burger patties, the onion. Like it's, it's like a restaurant the way they cook it. Is oh, uh, double double with animal animal style fries. uh change it lifestyle. Animal style fries. So it's like cheese and a burger sauce with uh, fried onions over your fries.
3: Oh, oh wow, 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 wow! And
1: a double double burger. Uh, oh, mate, why did you bring? Sorry,
3: it
1: sorry. <laughs> I won't be having one for a long time.
0: So are you here at the moment, then, Martin? You're not in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, no, I'll be here. I say, I split my time. Well, most of the time I'm in the UK. Really, I'm, I'm very lucky with the job. My wife's got uh, we've got a house in Vegas where my wife's family are, and got a place back home where I'm from. Um, but most of the time I'm on the road. So yeah, I'm, I'll I'll be here till probably October. With the
0: family, though, With the family um, with you? Uh,
1: not just. It's been difficult just because obviously with everything that's going on. Um. Well, obviously, my wife's got her own career as well to look after, but it's it's better being at home around her family support. My my parents still work, but um, her parents are retired, um, so she's got that support because I'm never even at our home in Scotland. I'm, I'm in Manchester, then I'm in Edinburgh or Belfast, so it's kind of you're you're getting home and then just leaving them. So I'd rather she was close because that's one thing I've learned from living on the road. At the best times in London and LA, but if you don't have a support network around you you can really really struggle um so when you have a young family that was that was really important to me to get to get as close to both of our sets of parents as possible
0: when you do other jobs do you do you check in with each other so when you were doing nest did vicky know did adrian know about nest and uh when you were doing your uh tour of ireland did you tell the guys i mean was it all discussed
2: we always know what one
3: another's doing i'm very nosy so
0: it's
2: <laughs> imperative that
3: i know what they're both doing at all and <laughs> <True. laughs> um,
0: what makes so we always ask everybody on this podcast what makes you properly laugh and you're all gigglers um it's okay, one by one, I'm going to ask you, Vicky, what makes you
3: properly belly laugh, lose it, and be honest? Um, do you know what? Pure stupidity. I've got a really stupid sense of humor. And Martin said it the other day in an interview, and he's not wrong. Like, I can't tell a joke. I don't get a joke. I don't, my dad's a joke teller. I've never understood what he's on about. I can't remember them and I can't tell them. So, but I love stupidity. And, you know, when you was a kid and, like, you'd do a stupid face and get somebody to do it and copy you, and then you see that it's just the stupid, idiotic things like that make me laugh. Um Me and Martin have got a stupid voice that we do as the minute we get on set. Oh, come on, we have to hear that. Well, we're talking, what talking talk? this? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well, like... What I talk about? Well, I'll
1: You
3: know, just skulls- because I don't know.
0: Well,
1: don't my t- kind of sound, but you talk about like this and people got a nod. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> And nobody else finds it's it just, funny. Uh, no, nobody finds it funny. I find it funny. Yeah. That, would be, that would be mine. That would be mine as well. Um, we've been doing that for you nearly know, 10 years. And every series we say, we're not doing that stupid voice when we get back. And on day one, because, and AD, AD just goes on, oh, not again. <laughs> and that's us for the
2: year. Oh, God. Here they go. They're off again. What are they saying to one another? Adrian, what makes you properly belly laugh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm the same. I can, you know, just stupidity, giddiness, you know, that thing of, you know, we're all supposed to be. It's like when you're at school, you know, and everybody's supposed to be quiet and something happens and you just can't stop. And, uh, you know, fits the giggles and all, all that stuff. You can't quite get a belly laugh out of it because you're trying to keep it, you know, keep it contained. But we do. we ha- We do have hysterical moments. There's no doubt about it.
1: There's definitely a big moment, as you guys will tell you, because those huge interview scenes are so daunting and so stressful, rewarding but stressful, there's always a point on, like, come five o'clock, somebody that says something and it goes, and then we're gone. And it and you need it. It takes a good 20 minutes and we just laugh it out and then you get back to it. But AD had a couple of corkers this year because AD's got these really – brilliant which he's which he is genius at but the righteous rant always comes and if something goes wrong in the middle of the night righteous rant like a word it's it's a thing of beauty and there was one particular one this year I, I can't remember what he was saying. He was coming he was coming after some of the case but he he showed, there's a herd of elephants coming for you. And it was <laughs> it's not in script. It was just it came out of him when he was on a rant and it was just <laughs> That way we all tried to keep it together and then somebody went and we were all gone. And it was, it's brilliant. It is like, it's a release. But it's, And what's funny is people trying to hold it together while, because you don't want to fuck, because his take's still going really well out with that line. So you're like, just don't catch him in the eye. So, but when you start to see people going like that around the table and like looking away and heads down and no eye contact, that just makes it worse. And then yeah, you're just gone.
3: I remember one year Martin had um Martin got his notebook, you know, the little police notebooks, and I'd drawn a big dick in it, knowing that he was going <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's stupid, it's so childish, and it's not funny for anyone else, but just <laughs> I'd
1: mate, I forgot to say to you, it happened again this year. <laughs> With the same dick. <laughs> because they just gave me the same notebook, and I was just, you know, because it's just a random page, and I just opened it. I went, Yeah, bastard. You're just trying, and I always start these scenes, and it's always like AC 12 interview So I've got to be like that at the start, and I'm just flicking through, and I went, Oh, yeah, there's Vicky's deck. There's
3: Vicky's deck. <laughs> <laughs> ah, AC, AC 12. <laughs>
1: AC-12 interview of oh, Big
3: brilliant. Dick in my
1: notebook, Big Dick. And you're trying to cover it and hide it and change it. And, and you don't want to sell anybody else because everybody will go. So you've just got to hide it. Uh, yeah. You hid Vicky's
0: dick. Now you see,
1: that's going head the Vicky's
0: headline. Dick. <laughs> There's your headline. <laughs> oh, so well. That's oh, what they're God. all going to go
1: with. Um, yeah.
0: So you guys all, all. Um, I just suppose you can tell me. I know that Jed has spoken. I've interviewed Jed a few times. I love that guy. Um, but Jed has said that there will be a season seven. But you can't say anything, can you? Because if you say anything, then we're going to know what happens to any of you. So you're, you're not. You're, there's going to be silence now. When I say that.
2: Yeah. Well, th- there is silence because we don't know, Gabby. That's the the bottom line. Is we really don't know where Jed's going to take it. You know, and uh, I think that's how he leaves it at the end of every series, doesn't he? You just think, where can it go from here? And then he comes up with an idea of where it's going to go to. But you can't really predict what Jed's going to do. That's the that's the, the thrill of it all, isn't it? You can't predict where Line of Duty is going next. You can't predict at the end of each episode. As it spins off in a different direction, you know, it's it's you know, that, that's the beauty of the show.
0: How does it feel to have your life turned completely upside down? Martin, I read that you said that you people touch you. People come
1: up and just touch you now. I think that that was the first time I went, oh, this is a bit weird. A couple of people, when I was in London on the first series, and my hand was on the vice, a couple of people come up and grabbed my hand to look at my hand. And that was bizarre, because I'm like, you know, it's not real. Um, but yeah, it. what's funny is people run up to you and go, when's it coming out? But don't tell me anything. But this is what happens. So it's kind of good that people don't want to know, but yeah, it does. We're so appreciative of the support the show's had, and the people have stuck with it, the word of mouth, it grown from BBC, and the audience has grown. It, it does become a bit overwhelming when the show's on. You kind of just sort of, media-wise, it goes about men, all of a sudden, you know there's going to be photographers sitting in cars outside your door. You get really paranoid about going out for food, and walking so you're excited for it to get out but you're kind of excited for it to finish and then you can move on to the next one but the kind of the thing with the show is now is because it's became that big it's sort of all year round as soon as we know usually we can take a big break and nobody matter as soon as this one finish well, hopefully the question is going to be when's the next one you know so it does sort of consume your life a wee bit in in good ways and bad ways but I think, and this is in no ways the high on the list of priorities why we would do another series, but I think because it is the social aspect of the job for all of us and hanging out together, hanging out with the crew is such a huge part of it. And also think what is one of the main ingredients of what makes the show a success, the fact that was all taken away from us this year and we couldn't do that was pretty tough. So just on a personal level, it would I wouldn't like to end it like that. I would love to think we've got one more in as where we can all hang out again, we can all go for dinners again, we can have our halfway party with the crew and, you know, have our nights out with the crew. And so I would like to think for that reason, as I say, that's not a main priority for a TV show, but Absolutely. I would like to think I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I know you would.
0: <laughs> but but the, the the notoriety and the fame and the celebrity status, I hate the word celebrity personally, but, but all of that that goes alongside it, does it, it it is extraordinary Vicky it's got it's become this evil but the three of you have become more common wise anton deck you know the, the three of you you're the triple act you know <laughs> the, it, it's it people are obsessed with it I've had to keep this quiet and I know that when people know that I've got all three of you it's going to be okay what's happening what's happening I, you, I haven't seen the scripts I don't know but but it is extraordinary it must be thrilling but a bit daunting as well Vicky
3: it's kind of weird. I mean, I think for me personally, like when This Is England 86 came out, that felt massive for me, especially because, you know, there was awards and there was things going around it and it felt very surreal because I'd not long just left my office job. So it was a, like, you know, from one world to another world. Um, but what we're in now is completely different to that even more so. So... I think back then I'd have said, oh, you know, I feel really lucky, and but I'm kind of sitting under the radar, whereas now we're in a very commercial sort of machine of a show, which is amazing to be a part of. But that comes with it this kind of sort of weird, strange fame that we didn't have at the beginning. And like Adie said earlier, you know, we don't have divas on set. You know, we are still the grounded people that we were back then because we, you know, we, we're very sort of, I think because of our backgrounds, we're all in that sort of very gracious place where we, we're still glad to have the job and don't take it for granted. And Jed's in the same place as well. Like he's, you know, he's very proud of his his background and makes a point of making sure that predominantly the show is cast with people from similar backgrounds. And he's very sort of passionate about that. So we are still, you know, people that want to go to the pub, draw dicks in people's notebooks, you know, we're still happy to be like, you know, the sort of normal folk, but we do have this, and especially for Adie, like after series five, obviously that was a huge storyline for Hastings. And it was, it just exploded for him. and, it, and he, he, you know, he got the pups outside his house all the time. And it was like, you know, it's just really sort of odd. Yeah, that side's horrible.
0: Adrian, does that, I mean, because you have been in, you know, phenomenal films and and so many things, but this is diff- different. It is,
2: it, it is different. And But, you know, unlike the guys, I'm not on any kind of social media. Or anything. I'm kind of, you know, I've got so many other interests that I'm not focused on what's actually happening with the show. <clears throat> and then something will happen that will kind of kind of shock me or something like that because I, what'll happen is i'll be out and i'll see somebody doing something i think that's a really good thing to do you know and i I'll, I'll think i'll get involved and i'll walk over and go that's a really good thing to do i mean how where did you buy that and then this person will scream <laughs> and i'll go what 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 happened there you know and they go oh my god it's it's you. and i forget that if you just stop stumble into somebody and go, where'd you get that bag? They go, oh, then <laughs> Hastings is asking me where I got my bag. And you, you kind of, you forget about stuff like that's when it brings it home to me, really. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it it is strange. Of course, you know, at the same time, you know, it's a brilliant thing to happen at this, st- at any stage in your career. But at this stage where I'm at, it's it's a fantastic thing to happen later on in your career to get kind of you know, when you're kind of ready for it and you're happy for it to happen and you know how to handle it and all that. I'm not sure whether I would have been able to handle this sort of stuff when I was 22 or 23, but certainly, you know, now that I'm 50,
0: <clears throat> it is great.
2: It really is great.
0: I, lo- I, I love the idea of of you three, but I know they did it on Gogglebox, but the three of you, I
3: wish you'd do your own show. We've said this. We have said that when, when line, of, if line of Duty does come to a, a complete stop, yeah. we quite like to do like a, we, we was inspired by Adi's, um travel show. So we thought Martin could take us to Vegas and Scotland. A.D. could obviously take us to Ireland, maybe Australia. We spend a lot of time out there and I'll bring the guys to Knox., <laughs> Bring the guys uh, yeah, we'll to do.
2: <laughs> I mean, come on, who's flying or flying for that? All right, I'll go for a pint in the trip. To Jerusalem. What's happening after
3: that? We'll get loads of stuff. We'll go clubbing. We Ricky's tram. We'll go on my tram. We'll go clubbing. We'll go to Rock City. We'll go to the football. Twenty-four hour Greg. Twenty-four hour Greg. Can have a lovely time. Yeah, so If there's any producers with money out there, we're ready
0: she's got it sorted she always has um guys thank you very much thank you so much for your time thank you for the show you know and i always say this and it's it's really weird but there's a few not a few of us but there's quite a lot of us that love the ownership that we were there from the beginning
1: yeah you, you were, were Abby. oh yeah.
0: yeah i was there from the beginning and i love i bloody love the show but i also think you guys are in real life just genuinely Fantastically gorgeous people. As are you. Yeah. No, I really adore Thanks, you. So Gabby. thank you very much. Good luck with this series. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Gabby. You all. Thank Cheers, you very, very, very much.
1: Gabby Powell. Thanks a lot.
0: Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. Goodness me, I think you can probably tell how much I love Line of Duty. Thank you so much to our exclusive sponsor of this episode. Go to simprove.com and use the code Gabby15 at checkout. That's G-A-B-Y-15. Now, next week's podcast, we bring you the world's biggest selling author of the moment, Matt Haig. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Please press the subscribe button and it will come straight to your phone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you choose to listen. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.